Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. With Joe McLean and Emily Alcaraz. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It's so good to be on with you this morning. Praise be to God. Good morning. We're going to have a great show lined up for you today. We're going to talk about the heavy burden, the yoke of relativism. But we're going to talk about it from G.K. Chesterton's perspective. Dale Alquist will be our guest. He is the president of the G.K. Chesterton Society. He's going to be our guest in our guest segment today. Uh, if you've listened to the show at all, you probably know I'm not the biggest G.K. Chesterton fan, probably because he's smart and I'm not. Uh, and I, I just I struggle with some of his writings, but I'm sure that's not uncommon. I'm sure there's a lot of us like that. But Dale Alquist is brilliant at breaking down the great Chesterton and making it uh, more consumable for, for knuckle-draggers like me. So I'm very excited about having him on the program today. Uh, now, here's the unexciting news. So there's good news, bad news. Good morning to you, Emily Alcarez. Good morning, Joe. What's good, the bad news? You always want the bad news first. Of course. Uh, the bad news is uh, I have to produce the show and talk today. So I feel sorry for the audience because they may suffer some, but it's good penance and, and they can offer it up. Uh, I guess the good news is hopefully, prayerfully, Adrian Fonseca is getting a good rest today. He's just he's going to wake up really refreshed. That's that's the hope. We actually don't know where our friend Adrian Fonseca is, a producer of the show. So please keep him in your prayers. We pray everything is fine. We just he's he's not here. We're not sure where he is. We can't get a hold of him. So we're praying for him at this moment, and uh, and hopefully he's just uh, you know resting some. And praise God for that. Uh, but we are going to have a. Uh, <laughs> I just got a text from him. <laughs> he's on the way. So praise be to God. He'll show up uh, frazzled, but we'll. We'll make them uh, do double duty in the next hour, possibly. But there are a lot of headline news. I didn't get the, the, a lot of opportunity to dive too deep in the headlines. So I know, Emily, you are the master of that. So you'll have a bunch of stories in the What's Concerning Us section. I did see one. New York apparently is no longer going to prosecute the law in regard to uh, prostitution. So they're just deciding, ah, we don't need to prosecute that anymore. Laws, schmas, who cares? Uh, that's a d- concerning story. I know there are others. Canada has apparently put armed guards in between their provinces now. That's interesting. Uh, so we'll talk about some of that stuff plus more in the what's concerning us. And as I said, Dale Alquist will be our guest in the guest segment. Of course, we are going to do in the next hour, if you're at all able to join us, we surely would love to have you. Uh, we are going to have our Fear and Trembling Game Show. And prayerfully, Mr. Fonseca will be here by then, and then we can have the proper show. Otherwise, uh, it'll just be Emily and I, and we'll have to... We'll have to figure that out. But the cool thing is we have a really cool price pack on uh, on the dock this week. So at, what is it, like a $100 value, Emily? Almost. It's a prize set from Providential Company. Providential.co is their website. And they're giving away a votive candle that smells like church incense, as well as an Our Lady of Guadalupe print that can, you can hang up in your home and an enamel pin, Memento Mori, which oh. means remember your death. <laughs> Praise be to God. Well... That is the show for the next couple of hours. Catholic Drive Time is uh, here, even in spite of the fact that, that I am behind the wheel. So let's just pray we don't sink the ship today. But let's pray. Let's pray for your intentions, dear listener, praying for my intentions as well to run the show properly. But also, let's pray for peace in our world. Let's pray for a, uh, a rediscovery of Christ in society and, 
And all those that might suffer today, some, all those that are, that are going to face their eternity, praying for their repose and for their families and, and whatever your intentions are, of course, our own intentions here on the show uh, for Catholic Drive Time and uh, the Radio Apostolates, the Station of the Cross, and the Guadalupe Radio Network. Let's ask Our Lady, Queen of Heaven and Earth, to intercede for all of us by whispering these intentions into the ear of her divine child, our Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now the headlines with Emily Alcaraz. Governor John Bell Edwards has announced he will oppose legislation that would restrict experimental transgender procedures for minors and preserve biological standards in sports. Louisiana state legislature, legislators have introduced two bills this session to limit children's access to quote-unquote sex change procedures and two bills banning gender-confused males from competing in girl sports. The measures are pending in committee and have not yet been brought to a vote. During a press conference on Monday, Edwards said he's hopeful that the legislature will not seek to advance those bills. He added that he did not want to put the weight of the state behind the legislation and appeared to endorse the discredited myth that transgender procedures reduce suicides. Edwards also claimed that the bills would bring an adverse impact to the state. Major companies have attacked states over pro-family bills and other conservative legislation in recent weeks. The NCAA has threatened to move championship games like one scheduled in New Orleans last year, next year, based on transgender policies. A Canadian court upheld this week part of a Quebec law that bans government employees from wearing religious symbols at work. With the only exception being existing employees, the law's original language banned civil servants in positions of authority from wearing religious symbols at work. The April 19th court ruling created exceptions for English-speaking public schools, citing minority language education rights protected by the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms. Members of Quebec's provincial parliament are also exempted from the ban under the principle that all persons are eligible for public office. Auxiliary Bishop Mark Pelchat of Quebec told CNA April 21st that, like other groups and institutions in Quebec society, we take note of this judgment which will be appealed. The issue is therefore not entirely settled. The law follows a trend of increased scrutiny for religious symbols in Canada and elsewhere in recent years. And employees of EWTN Poland were preparing for the Feast of Divine Mercy when they noticed a glitch in their YouTube channel, which brings live perpetual adoration to thousands of people around the world. Viewers connecting to the live feed saw a black rectangle over an image of the Adoration Chapel containing the message, a recording of this broadcast is not available. Since 2018, EWTN Poland, the Polish branch of the Global Catholic Media Network founded by Mother Angelica, has offered 24-7 adoration from the chapel in the Basilica of a friary founded by St. Maximilian Kolbe, who volunteered to die in place of another captive at the Auschwitz death, death camp. Father Piotr Wisniewski, director of EWTN Poland, received a message from YouTube explaining that it had blocked the channel because of a breach of its community guidelines and that it would be unavailable for seven days. 
As the outcry over the blocking of the channel grew, YouTube restored the channel in time for Divine Mercy Sunday. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Thursday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Thank you, Emily, for keeping us up to date. Blessed Francis of Fabriano, pray for us. Blessed Francis was born on the 2nd of September, 1251. He was born to a wealthy family, the son of Campiano, a physician, and Margaret. And he studied humanities and philosophy, and then joined the Franciscans in 1267 at the age of 16. He spent part of his novitiate studying under the companions of St. Francis of Assisi. He became a friar, a priest, who offered his masses for the souls in purgatory and a missionary right in his own backyard. He was a man of endless prayer and work, and he insisted that the brother friars stay strictly orthodox in their preaching and teaching, and to ensure that they had the proper background, he used his own family's money to purchase an extensive library for them. He wrote on matters of theology and philosophy, but only time scraps, uh, only little bits of scraps of his work have survived to this day. He died on the 22nd of April in 1322. He was beatified on April 1st, 1775 by Pope Pius VI. Also, 1775, the birth of the Marine Corps, by the way. Blessed Francis Fabriano, pray for us. The gospel today comes to us from John chapter 6, verses 44 through 51. I'm going to read from the RSVCE, and I'm going to back up to verse 41. The Jews then murmured at him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. They said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? And Jesus answered them, do not murmur among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except him who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread which comes down from heaven, that a man may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever, and the bread which I shall give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. We're kind of doing things a little bit on the fly today because uh, our producer and friend, uh, Adrian Fonseca, unfortunately uh, was not able to get into the studio on, on uh, this morning to get everything set up. So I'm running a little bit of both, all the spinning uh, plates up here. And looking at this gospel passage, I backed up to verse 41 and read from the RSVCE for a reason. The gospel in the Holy Mass today excludes, I think, a key passage that I think would be greater context for the conversation that I would like to have. And that is on the murmuring, right? So they are, they are in the wilderness talking to Jesus and they are murmuring against him because of something he said. That automatically takes us all the way back to the wilderness with the Israelites coming out of Egypt, out of slavery. And they were murmuring against Moses, against God himself. 
And this is important because what are they murmuring about? They're murmuring about Jesus' words, about his, him becoming the bread of life, giving his flesh for the life of the world. And they're, they're thinking cannibalism in their mind. And this is when Jesus begins the process of doubling, tripling, and quadrupling down on this bed. He's not going to back off at all. In fact, he goes for the, for the proverbial jugular in the conversation, you know, uh, laying the hammer on it. But I also like how they question, like as a result of their murmuring and questioning, what, what is this man saying? What is this crazy person saying? Like they even question, like, isn't he the son of Joseph for crying out loud? Augustine would say he took man's flesh upon him, but not after the manner of men for his father being in heaven. He chose a mother upon earth and was born of her without a father. Augustine rightly points out that they can't even see who it is that's standing in front of them. They can't wrap their minds around the mystery of it. And yet Jesus refers to uh, being taught by God in this passage, which is a nod back to Isaiah 54, when the Messianic age would come, God himself would restore, teach, and prosper his people. Yahweh would teach them directly. And here it is, standing in front of them, is Jesus, the Messiah, Jesus, the second person, the Blessed Trinity, Jesus, God incarnate. I mean, that's what it means to be born of the Virgin, right? That God would, would become through this uh, incredible miracle, this miraculous conception, this miraculous birth, this miraculous life, God taking upon flesh and dwelling among man. That was the words of John's gospel in chapter one. And here we are seeing Jesus trying to say to them very clearly, I am the fulfillment of this and I promise to give you my flesh and yet they murmur and they complain and ultimately they're going to walk away. They're going to walk away from the Lord because of the Holy Eucharist, the body, the blood, the soul and divinity of his, of uh, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ given to us under the guise, under the, the, uh, auspices of what would look like bread, but is not what would look like wine, but isn't. Is it his earthly flesh? No. It's his glorified humanity that he gives us. And, of course, we see this nod to predestination. We had a fun laugh at that yesterday, uh, you know, about those that the Father would send to the Son. At any rate, that's going to have to do it for the Gospel Reflection for today, John chapter 6, verses 44 through 51. And we're going to go to a break real quick, and when we come back, we're going to have a What's Concerning Us section. We're going to talk about several of the headline stories, including uh, no longer prosecuting the law in New York. What's up with that? I wonder. All that and more, plus Dale Alquist is coming up on Catholic Drive Time. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Your odyssey begins at the University of Dallas, the premier Catholic liberal arts university in Texas. With campuses in Irving and Italy, UD's rigorous core curriculum sets it apart. An education rooted in the great works of Catholic and Western tradition. An education that ennobles and enables students in the pursuit of wisdom, truth, and virtue. Undergraduate, graduate, and certificate programs are available. Start your college odyssey at the University of Dallas today. Go to udallas.edu to learn more. GloryAndShine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. GloryAndShine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At GloryAndShine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, 
craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul. Unquote. God love you, GloryAndShine.com. Thank you again. Hi, Joe McClain here, host of the Catholic Drive Time, heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, right here. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of the Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations. Real Estate for Life offers their clients a faith-based experience. Real Estate for Life is online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. There are several stories in the uh, headlines we want to jump into. Don't forget, coming up in about 20 minutes from now, Dale Alquist. He's the president of the G.K. Chesterton Society. He is going to be our guest in the guest segment. Uh, We want to talk about the heavy burden, the yoke of relativism and progressivism. G.K. Chesterton was... Um, is is infamous, so to speak, on those subjects, and there's uh, probably no one better to talk about what GK would think about those subjects than Dale Alquist, so we're excited about having him on the program coming up again in about 20 minutes or so. Uh, don't forget, all of the links to sponsors and show information, you can find all of that at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Uh, let's go into the headlines here. I want to point this one out. We don't have to spend a lot of time on it, but I found it uh, It caught my attention right away. It says, U.S. Postal Service is secretly keeping tabs on American social media posts as part of covert operations. Uh, what in the world is going on here? This is a report out of The Blaze, theblaze.com. It says, the United States Postal Service has been secretly collecting data on Americans' social media posts, Yahoo News revealed Wednesday. According to a March 16 government bulletin obtained by the outlet, the USPS law enforcement arm is tracking citizens' social media activity to gather data on a host of topics, including inflammatory postings and planned post uh, protests that is shared across multiple federal agencies as a part of an effort called the Internet Covert Operations Program or ICOP. Boy, that's uh, that's original. Um, it says goes on to say Yahoo News said the document, which was marked law enforcement sensitive, specifically mentioned an examination of alleged planned activity on March 20th and was distributed through Homeland Security's fusion centers. Analysis of the United States Postal Inspection Service Internet Covert Operations Program monitored significant activity regarding planned protests occurring internationally and domestically on March 20th, 2021, the bulletin said. The locations and times have been identified for these protests, which are being distributed online across multiple social media platforms to include right-wing leaning parlor and telegram accounts. I love that. That's amazing. Um, we had to get a dig in there, right? I find this interesting, uh, Emily, because as it turns out, when they were doing their post-January 6th investigation, it turns out that Parler actually uh, called the FBI to alert uh, the FBI, to alert the authorities of certain uh, uh, nefarious characters saying some things that weren't right. And it turns out that the vast majority of planning for the January 6th issue on the, on the Capitol Hill was actually done on Facebook and here we are, U.S. Postal Service is tracking us. Who knew? 
Yeah, that's very unfortunate. Very um, dystopian. And along those same lines here, I have another headline. If you've ever read 1984, you know that, so in the book, the people, the characters in the book are constantly being watched. There's secret cameras everywhere. So they have to sort of keep the act up even when they're in private, in their homes and stuff like that. We see a similar thing happening now here with Amazon. So Amazon delivery drivers are being fired. Their their employment is going to be terminated if they don't agree to sign this biometric consent form where they will be consenting to be constantly videotaped at all times. Um, and so there are now cameras that are powered by artificial intelligence which would record and store information about the driver's face, location, movement, driving style, and even can tell, the AI can tell if the driver's yawning or shows signs of drowsiness on shift. So now this is, this is this artificial intelligence that is constantly tracking the facial expressions of Amazon delivery drivers as they're on the job. Wow. Um, so no privacy, zero privacy. And seven, there, Amazon has around 75,000 drivers in the U.S., and now they're going to be fired if they do not agree to sign this biometric consent form. So they're just dystopian. I'm so shocked that my generation, the generation that was basically raised on dystopian novels, like <laughs> Divergent, The Hunger Games, all of those kind of dystopian novels, is now completely falling for it. <laughs> falling for every every little move. When did 1984 come out again? I can't remember. Oh, that was a while back. Like a but while back. Like yeah. It, like we have not read these things? I'm confused. But my generation got really, really into dystopian novels and maybe like the 2010s that growing up at that time. And now we're just falling for all the tricks. Like, did you not learn anything? <laughs> when I was in college, I had to take a, a course uh, on communications and whatnot, and we did uh, a variety of things in that class. But one of the things was he made us read dystopian stories, short stories. They were all dystopian. One of one, one of them was about population control, and the story. I can't remember the author, but the story went like: in the future, in order to control population, they would decide to uh, use tunnels, traffic tunnels, as a means of of culling the herd. So you'd be driving about your business, running those errands, getting off to work and back, and then you'd be in the tunnel. And then, like, all of a sudden, randomly, because you're the winner, they close the entrances, and then they kill everybody in, in the tunnel, open the entrances, and then traffic gets to go back, go back to normal. And this was an acceptable part of society. Uh, this was the kind of literature that I had to read in college. And that was just like – and back in those days, I wasn't a practicing Christian at all. And I was just like, what the heck is this? Why would anybody go for this? This is This is insane. And I remember the professor just was like, yeah, this is, this is where we're headed. This is normal. This is going to be okay. This is the way things are. And I'm like, that's so twisted. I, I just don't understand. And, uh, and yet here we are. Here's another one. Speaking of twisted, Manhattan District Attorney announces that his office will no longer prosecute prostitution crimes. Um, isn't his job to enforce the law no matter what it is? I'm just curious. But uh, he says no, apparently. Manhattan District Attorney uh, Cyrus Vance Jr. announced Wednesday that his office will no longer prosecute a number of prostitution-related offenses. And he additionally moved to dismiss convictions and bench warrants for thousands of cases related to those offenses, many of which went back to the 1970s and 80s. Oh, wow. That's pretty interesting. According to NPR... Vance stated that his office would no longer prosecute charges for prostitution, loitering for the purpose of prostitution, and unlicensed practice of massage profession. 
which has historically been used to bur- uh, to bust prostitutes. Now, here's what's interesting about this story, other than like, why would we not want to enforce this? This is a crime against humanity. I, but also remember our guest the other day, Nick McKinley from Deliver yes. Fund. Mm-hmm. The I mean, incredible expert witness or expert guest rather on on human trafficking. He would talk about it, when it comes to prostitution, a lot of these human slaves, that's the business they're in, unfortunately. But they aren't walking the streets anymore. They are locked in hotels. They are locked in houses. They are locked in apartment complexes. And their in, they're enslavers are selling them over the internet and over social media apps and, and whatnot. So is he not going to prosecute those cases either? I mean, he's basically saying, he goes on to say, Vance claimed that part of the reason that his office would no longer prosecute these crimes is that they had historically had a disproportionate impact on the LGBTQ community and that it served to further marginalize these vulnerable populations, according to NPR. Wow. So don't, don't, don't enforce the law. Because a certain segment of persons in society are committing these crimes more than others, and therefore we have to let it go. It's something is either right or wrong. It's not because of how we identify. It is not because of the color of our skin. It is not because of the place on the planet where which we were born. If something is either right or it is wrong. I mean, natural law applies to all humans and all human experiences, no matter how you feel about it. It's natural law. Uh, gravity is gravity, no matter if I like it or not. I mean, what gravity does to, to the aging is not fun. Trust me, I can tell you. But it is still a law. It is still something we have to live with. And there are natural laws that supersede anybody's belief system. And I find this troubling. What else do you have? Um, plenty of headlines. So now I want to talk about sort of putting the significance of the body over the significance of the soul. And I've got a couple of headlines for that here. Um, today, Pope Francis is going to speak at uh, President Biden's climate summit. So this is just this conference that they're having about the environment and climate change and stuff like that. And the Holy Father is going to speak at this conference because he has made this. We've seen that Pope Francis has made the climate one of the central issues of his pontificate. We've seen this with Laudato Si, with the Amazon Synod. It's, she's just putting a huge emphasis on it. Um, which is great because we are called to be stewards of the earth. This this planet is, is a gift to us from God, and we should take care of it. Um, but there is a certain point where you should be putting the, the primacy of your soul over the primacy of this earth. We are never going to create a utopia on earth. We are never going to achieve perfect um, health or justice on this planet because then this would become heaven and we wouldn't need heaven. Mm. So we're always going to have problems on this earth. And so... Um, and, and it's just crazy to see. Now, I, I have another headline here, which is kind of old, but this email was just leaked that apparently in the Archdiocese of Chicago, um, Cardinal Supich is telling students, college students, not to go to Mass. What? He That's said, do not go to insane. Mass. Why, why? Um, why would he do that? I mean, be, young people, according to the CDC statistics, young people are less likely to uh, uh, get sick and transmit the COVID virus. Right. As college age students, absolutely very low risk. And these are also the University of Chicago, which is not a Catholic school. So I'd be very surprised if there are Catholics who are going to mass there anyway. And why would you break any faith? I'm sure it's very hard to be Catholic at such a liberal school. Why would you take that delicate 
faith of the student college students, mm. which is being faced with relativism, which is what we're going to talk about today, and, and say, don't go to Mass. Don't go receive the graces that could strengthen you in this time. Where is your supernatural faith? Amen. And, and to tell these students, and they canceled the Masses on campus, that they have the Catholic Masses there, and then he also told them not to go to any nearby local Masses because it's risky, quote-unquote risky. Risky for your body, yes, but not risky for your soul. So I'm just tired of it. I'm tired of this year of of our, our bishops and our shepherds. It's Good Shepherd Sunday this Sunday. Our shepherds not going after the sheep and instead saying, you know what? Protect your body, not your soul. I'm tired of it. You know, like we've been saying this for a while. Okay, the first 15 days to slow the spread. Okay, let me give you a pass. Fine. You, you didn't know what you're dealing with. Great. Prudential judgment. I get that. Sure. Um, two months into it, six months into it, a year into it, and we're still doing this? That that speaks of something greater. That speaks of uh, of, a, of a disease that is far worse than that which can kill the body. I mean, I can only think of our Lord's words in Matthew chapter 10. Fear not the one who can kill the body, but rather fear the one who can take both body and soul and cast it into hell. Supernatural faith should be the order of the day, especially in the face of a world that is clearly crumbling around us in, under the yoke and the burden of relativism and the tyranny of progressivism. I mean, uh, I think we're, we're, I'm very much looking forward to our conversation with Dale Alquest about G.K. Chesterton and about relativism and about what the apostle of common sense would say in a day and an age where it seems like the whole world has gone batty. Oh, and, oh, and by the way, Armed personnel at the borders of the provinces in Canada to prevent Canadians from crossing in between provinces. Let that sink in for a moment. Don't go anywhere. We're going to be right back after this short break with breaking news and stories with Emily Alcarez and then Dale Alquest, our guest on GK Chesterton. is coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Be right back. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, the Catholic Church is just out of touch? It's going to have to change if it ever hopes to be relevant in today's world. But G.K. Chesterton says, we do not need a church that will move with the world. We need a church that will move the world. It's not that the church has to change, it's that the world has to change, and it's up to us as the church to change the world. That is the call to conversion. We don't convert the world by giving in to it. Chesterton says, the world is converted by the saint that contradicts it most. I guess that explains why in an age that worships money, sex, and power, the most influential woman in the modern world was a tiny little nun taking care of the sick and dying in the streets of Calcutta. Want more than a minute? Visit Chesterton.org. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. Today's Thursday, April 22nd, and these are your headlines for today. 
Cardinal Blaise Supich has said he will turn over the investigation of a popular local priest accused of sexual abuse to another diocese if efforts to intimidate members of the Archdiocese of Chicago's Independent Review Board do not come to an end. Cardinal Supich said, Once again this week there was an organized effort through the St. Sabina website to employ inappropriate and intimidating tactics to put pressure on the Archdiocese of Chicago and the Independent Review Board as the case of Father Michael Flager is being processed. Tactics of intimidation that put pressure on individuals seeking only to provide justice and pastoral care will not be tolerated and must immediately cease. If they do not, I am prepared to move the case of Father Flager to the Independent Review Board of another diocese, which means the process will have to begin anew. The Australian Diocese of Parramatta has split with other Catholic leaders in response, responding to a new bill that would ban the discussion of gender fluidity in classrooms. The bill, Education Legislation Amendment Bill 2020, is sponsored by Mark Latham, a member of the Legislative Council of New South Wales. Latham is also affiliated with Pauline Hansen's One Nation, a nationalist political party. The legislation would remove gender fluidity as part of education curricula and would mandate that schools inform parents about all discussions of gender and sexuality, as well as discussions on other matters. Both the Archdiocese of Sydney and Catholic Schools in New South Wales, a governing body which represents all 600 Catholic schools in the state, support the legislation. However, the Diocese of Parramatta, located in the western suburbs of Sydney, opposes the bill, saying that it runs counter to promoting and respecting the human dignity of all. And a Coptic Orthodox Christian was killed by ISIS affiliates in Egypt earlier this week, five months after being kidnapped. In a video, the 62-year-old Nabil Habashi Salama can be seen being killed by a gunshot as he was kneeling in the Egyptian desert on April 18th. Egyptian security forces have captured and killed three of the militants responsible for Habashi's death. Habashi was abducted in front of his home in Bir al-Abd in North Sinai in November of 2020. A businessman, he owned a jewelry, mobile phone, and clothing store and was active in the Christian community. He used his financial resources to help build the city's church, St. Mary. Basile said that the Copts of Egypt, the largest Christian community in the Arab world, continue to be denied many legal rights as they face increasing physical violence. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Thursday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Thank you, Emily, for keeping us up to date. I'm very grateful to you. Uh, we are going to jump into our conversation with Dale Alquest here in just one second. Um, just realizing, since Adrian Fonseca is not here at the moment, I have to manage the process. And unfortunately, that means uh, that means also the music in the background. It's kind of funny. But anyway, I want to mention Glory and Shine, gloryandshine.com, gloryandshine.com. Generously underwriting a portion of our program on Catholic Drive Time. We're very grateful to them. They are a Catholic-owned, family-owned manufacturing company that uh, they manufacture personal care products like lotions, soaps, beard balm. I got the beard balm, actually, and the mint soap bar, which is truly amazing. Um, my wife got some body mist. It's it's a pretty cool thing. You should check them out. Uh, their website is uh, gloryandshine.com, gloryandshine.com. We're going to be posting their logo and link on our website as well at grnonline.com. Joining us right now now via Zoom chat is uh, Dale Alquist. He is the president and founder of the G.K. Chesterton Society. Good morning to you, uh, Dale. 
Good morning. God bless you. Praise be to God. It's good to have you on. Uh, it's a little bit dicey today uh, because our producer is not in the studio right now, so I'm double dipping here. So the audience, however, gets a great opportunity at, per- at penance uh, today for all the mistakes that I'll be making. But uh, we're, we're excited to have you on. We're talking about the yoke of relativism, the heavy burden of a world gone mad. And, you know, we read the news. It's part of our job, but it's uh, very clear to us anyway that uh, the world is slipping into madness. And we thought, wouldn't it be great if we could interview the Apostle of Common Sense and help to understand this? And, uh, well, he's not available, but you are. So here you are, Dale Alquist, to tell us, uh, how do we begin to unravel the mind of Chesterton in a modern world? Well, the great thing about G.K. Chesterton in the modern world is that he's as timely and as appropriate and uh, on point as ever, even though he was writing a hundred years ago, but he saw it all coming. He, he was at the front end of what we're at the back end of. And that's why it's so refreshing and helpful and encouraging to, to just get his great prophetic insight into the modern world. I know I'm not the okay. So uh, truth in advertising here. I've struggled with Chesterton. It's a it's an ongoing uh, debate here at the team, the Catholic Drive Time team, uh, because Emily and Adrian are both like uh, uber Chesterton fans. Huge fans. Huge fans. I think they might even have a tattoo. I'm not even sure. Uh, I, however, struggle with Chesterton. Um, I've I guess one of the reasons why I struggled with him was because I felt like he could have he could. I felt like he was too wended. Like he he said too many words to get to the point. I always felt like I needed him to get to the point faster. Of course, uh, uh, the Father Brown mysteries are awesome. You know, you, you love those. Those are very engaging. Um, but I know there has to be people like me out there that have struggled. Uh, have you encountered knuckle draggers like me? Uh, yes, yes, I have, and it's okay. It it goes away. Uh, <laughs> it goes away. <laughs> there's treatment for that, is what you're saying. <laughs> Well, I mean, one of the ways uh, that he works so well for the modern audience is he he's quotable. So even though you say you can get lost uh, reading Chesterton because he'll take you on the scenic route if you're reading one of his books or one of his longer essays, the, the point is there's so many great one-liners along the way. And one of the, one of the things that we've done as the Chesterton Society is we collect those one-liners and we, you know, we put them on the whatever that Twitter thing is called. And, uh, you know, I have been making uh, the very most of just quoting Chesterton for the last 30-plus years. (laughs) (laughs) Become a career. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'll give you a couple good Chesterton quotes and see if you can get your head around these, okay? Uh, You know, Chesterton says back in 1926, he said, the next great heresy is going to be an attack on morality. Hmm. especially on sexual morality. Mm. Wow. Are, are you with me so far? You nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But then he goes on. He says more. He says, um, this, he, was, he was writing this in 1926 when all the, the great fear of communism was in the, in the world because the Bolshevik Revolution in Russia had taken place less than 10 years before. And he says, the madness of tomorrow is not in Moscow but much more in Manhattan. Wow. Yeah. And here we are. Two, I mean, two for two there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's doing pretty well so far. Yes. <laughs> See, that's the kind of Chesterton that I need is Chesterton in quotes on cards, not like Chesterton book form. Uh, like an, an orthodoxy. I just struggled with orthodoxy. It was just, 
I felt like I just can you hurry this along, GK? I mean, I just want you to get there. And I felt like we, it was. We it was actually hard. have a solution for that too. Um, we have come out with a new edition of Orthodoxy. Really? Yeah, it's called uh, an American translation. <laughs> You have to translate from the original English. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, and, you know, and a, a lot of people forget that that English in England in the early 20th century might not be completely the same as English in America in the 21st century. Mm. Uh, and there there are certain words that are not the same, and certain usages that are not the same. But the main problem with uh, the modern American reader who reads orthodoxy, which is sort of required reading, uh, is is that Chesterton does make allusions to uh, contemporary personalities of his time, also historical figures and literary uh, allusions that just don't do us any good because we don't know what he's talking about because we haven't read those particular obscure poems or mm -hmm. we don't know which uh, modern political figure from the early 20th century he's referring to. And rather than putting a, a footnote in and explaining you know, who that, that person is or what that reference is, we just took those things out, took them out altogether. They're not there anymore. Wow. And so it reads much more smoothly for the, for the modern reader. And uh, that's what I'd recommend. You go start Orthodoxy over again, but get the American translation that's available at Chesterton.org. We we don't sell it from um, that river in South America. <laughs> now, Dale, I'm sure we have some listeners who maybe have never heard the name G.K. Chesterton before, don't know who he was or what his impact was. So can you give us like the elevator pitch on who G.K. Chesterton was and what was the significance? And you think that those listeners are still listening with what we've said so far? <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> All right, so Chesterton is an English writer of the early 20th century, uh, and he was a Catholic convert, but he was one of the most accomplished and well-known writers of his time, and he was primarily a journalist. His, his books were a secondary thing in his, in his career, and, but we know him now through his books, but he wrote about everything. He, he was a commentator on the world, but he, he could deal with... Uh, philosophy, but also art and literature and politics and economics and whatever the subject was, he he wrote about it and he had a great prophetic insight uh, into the world. But Chesterton, you know, among Catholics, he he has risen to great prominence because uh, not only because of his conversion, but because he defended the faith so well uh, and it was oh. a fresh and. Uh, Hold, hold that thought, that he... Dale. I'm so sorry to cut you off, but that only means you've joined a great list of human beings that I have cut off because we have to go to break. <laughs> so congratulations to you on that. But we're going to be right back after this very short break with Dale Alquist, founder of the G.K. Chesterton Society, talking about the apostle of common sense in a crazy world. We'll be right back. It's like learning to ride a bike. One Minute Monk, Abbot Placid Solari of Belmont Abbey. Remember when you first learned to ride a bike? It was a bit uncertain and shaky at first, and inevitably there were the falls. The only way to learn was to get right back on the bike and try again. In the rule of St. Benedict, the saint tells us that virtue is a lot like that. We grow into it slowly, although we often think it should be quick and easy, almost automatic. In reality, though, it's like learning to ride a bike. 
We fall and get up again, and each time we try again, we get just a little better. Soon, we know how to ride the bike. It becomes natural, and we do it without even trying. For your free copy of The Rule of St. Benedict, visit OneMinuteMonk.com. O-N-E-MinuteMonk.com. When we fall in our attempts at virtue, we simply need to get right back up and keep on trying. We can do it. Hi, I'm Emily Alcaraz, and I'm the co-host of the Catholic Drive Time Show, which airs from Monday to Friday at 6 a.m. Central Time. I'm excited to announce our partnership with our new underwriter, Real Estate for Life. Real Estate for Life offers a faith-based experience while supporting the gospel of life. They work with over a 1,000 pro-life agents worldwide and generously support a variety of pro-life organizations. Their website is realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. Joe McLean, so good to be on with you. Praise be to God. We're talking with uh, Dale Alquest. He is the president of the Society of Gilbert Keith Chesterton, the G.K. Chesterton Society. I want to get us back into uh, the, the heavy yoke of relativism. Um, we, we live in a world where people identify with crazy things. And, uh, you know, as much as I wish I could be a, a seven foot uh, eight NBA star, it's just, it's not reality. But yet, we live in a world where people think this way. They think a- absolutely uh, absurdly, uh, sort of devoid of common sense, devoid of, of even natural law. Uh, Dale, help us understand this uh, from Chesterton's point of view, writing a hundred years ago, seemingly writing about our own day and our own time. What is the, the yoke of relativism? Yeah, Chesterton calls common sense the extinct branch of psychology. <laughs> you know, so common sense is what everyone knows is true, uh, and they've known it always, but they have just forgotten it. And uh, we we go off the rails with fads and fashions that seem urgent and poignant at the moment, but we have lost our grounding. And and what Chesterton is so good at is just bringing us back to uh, to reality, to common sense, to things that we we know are true, but. It, it really goes back to an attack on uh, the Catholic Church and Catholic philosophy as best articulated by St. Thomas Aquinas, who, who says, you know, our, our senses are the doors and windows to a reality that is really there. And uh, when, when we start saying, well, that's, that's not reality out there, that we can't trust our senses, we can't trust our common sense, uh, that, that's when philosophy itself unravels and people lose their moral reasoning and their mental reasoning. Mm. And, and that's, that's what Chesterton does such a good job of trying to bring us back. He, he actually explains Thomas Aquinas to a modern audience very well. He, he did write a book on Thomas Aquinas, and it, it's considered one of the best books ever written on Thomas Aquinas. But you know, that's what the modern world needs, to read some Thomas Aquinas. <laughs> Amen. Oh man, Adrian's missing Adrian's out. He's not even here to enjoy the moment. <laughs> Our producer, <Yeah>. huge Thomist. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I know that GK also w- loved to debate, especially his brother before his passing in World War One. Um, but GK seemed to have the knack, unlike most of us, when we get into arguments with friends or family, we tend to get very uh, heated in our debate. Uh, we very personal in our debate. 
But GK seemed to have the skill to avoid those types of pitfalls in order in to hopes in the hopes of winning the person over. Tell us about that because I think there's a clue there to possibly turning things around in our society. Yeah, amen. He he was he he was one who was known as a man with no enemies because all of his enemies were so charmed by him. His philosophical enemies, that is, his opponents who disagreed with his ideas. Uh, couldn't get mad at him because he was so charitable and and treated his opponent with with respect and with their human dignity, but he only attacked their argument uh, and he but he took he took their argument seriously. He actually listened to them. He let them uh, make their point, but then he showed them how their own uh, idea just didn't didn't lead to a logical truth. And he, he, he was so good at starting with some point of agreement with his opponent and showing, well, this is where that idea leads. It doesn't lead to where, where you have taken it. But but the idea of of debate is lost in our society because simply we just don't listen to each other. And, uh, and Chesterton showed that he actually cared about the person he was debating with and was trying to show uh, how reason works you know he says the way argument is supposed to work is it's disagreeing in order to agree whereas the failure of argument is to agree to disagree hmm. wow so what would chesterton do we should have a do we have wristbands or t-shirts that say that what would chesterton <laughs> do do you sell those well, on your website chesterton.org i wonder well, you know, the great thing is we don't have to worry about what Chester would do. We know what he did do. Yeah. Uh, we don't have to make up uh, words and put in his mouth. We just have to read what he says because he's as, as right as ever. For instance, if he says, we have lost the idea of repentance, especially in public things. We, we don't admit when we've, we've gone wrong. He says, we've also lost the idea of accepting authority. Uh, and and we we accept things on no authority. We, it's rather than accepting it on a real authority, we accept it on no authority. And, and he shows how fads and fashions are always temporary. They always seem urgent, uh, and people get caught up with them and swept away. But his great line is, "The dead thing goes with the stream. Only the living thing can go against it." Wow, that's so good. That's so good. <laughs> So how would we – if Chesterton were here and he was having to debate someone who was caught up in a, uh, a sort of a, an identity crisis, especially along the sexual lines, someone in the uh, the trans community or what have you, what would be – what do you think he would say to someone like that in order to win them over? Well, I think he'd, he'd, he'd uh, just show the, the historical he, – he'd try to show how, how we got to this point and he'd say – well, he, he did say, he says, you know, the, the modern exaggeration of sex has become sexlessness. Wow. Uh, we, we have, we have, you know, that, that focus on that, that sexual heresy, that sexual morality has, has been, uh, you know, an attack on the normal use of sex, which is a man and a woman create a child together. It's called a family. And we've lost a family-based society a society that respects and supports and nurtures the family, which is the basic unit of society. And all of these particular strange ideas somehow attack the home and attack the family. And certainly something like the loss of 
sexual identity is it is an anti-family idea uh, because one sex cannot be another sex because the whole purpose of sex is to create a family mm. uh, he says that is the basic unit of society and he says it's the only kingdom that creates and loves its own citizens yet we live in a world where people are celebrities come out as non-binary Con- constantly, yeah. It's G.K. Chesterton was so ahead of his time. I mean, he had no idea how much more relevant this would all become. And now we have one of our listeners, Samuel from Odessa, said that he has started his kids on Chesterton at an early age, which is brilliant because we need to get to our children, teach them about relativism before the world does, before the world indoctrinates that into their psyche. And so if, if there were a parent out here who wanted to begin teaching their children about relativism from G.K. Chesterton, where would you uh, suggest that they start? Well, if they're, uh, if, you know, if they're talking about a, a teenager, a, a young teenager, they, they can start with the Father Brown stories. That's a great place to start. And then some of his... Uh, his easy essays, such as A Piece of Chalk and What I Found in My Pocket and The Twelve Men, uh, the, his, his early essays are very wonderful nuggets of, of truth, just laying out a very good idea and showing how to think straight. <laughs> mm. you know, when they get a little older, they're, they're, you know, when a high school age student can start reading Chester's book on St. Francis of Assisi, our new uh, translation of Orthodoxy, and even the Thomas Aquinas book, which really, you know, is prophetic about the non-binary, uh, you know, heresy. Chester says there there is a yes and there is a no. You can't have something that is both yes and no. I w- on the, let's go to the Father Brown series for a moment. It's one of the things that when we're on road trips, or at least uh, road trips with my kids, we'll... We look for audio versions of those uh, Father Brown uh, books uh, because they're, my kids love the, uh, the engagement of the mind in audio. Do, do you, uh, are there any really great audio uh, translations, audio narrations of, the, of Chesterton books that you would recommend most? Well, uh, Ignatius uh, did a, uh, a version of the first 12 Father Brown stories, and my friend Kevin O'Brien uh, reads them, and he acts out all the characters and does a marvelous job. Now, having said that, it, that is just presently out of print. That's coming back. Uh, so, so look for that one, because uh, that's a really good uh, presentation of, of the Father Brown stories. And Kevin and I are hoping to do some more of those, because uh, he really gets Father Brown. The, the, whole, the whole thing, why is Father Brown so interesting He's he's the complete anti Sherlock Holmes detective. <laughs> he he doesn't operate from this encyclopedia of knowledge. He just simply sees things that other people don't see, and he also understands how evil works. Because guess what? Someone who listens to confessions knows about sin and knows about the mind of the criminal because he gets inside that mind. And he he even says the reason I solved all those crimes is because I committed them myself. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> wow. We have just about uh, a minute, minute and a half left with uh, Dale Alquist, founder of the, or president rather, of the G.K. Chesterton Society. Uh, last question, Dale. What are the misconceptions of G.K. that you are always having to clear up? you got about a minute and a half. Well, I'm always trying to uh, 
the, the big one is that he's accused of anti-Semitism, and it simply isn't true, and it's a very unfortunate lie about him that gets repeated, and I'm constantly defending him against that. It's uh, it, when, when people can't argue uh, with with good reason, they just start calling people names, and uh, and they try to dismiss Chesterton with, with that huge... Uh, huge and heinous accusation. Uh, the other one, you know, people say, well, he must have been a glutton because he was fat. And, <laughs> um, you know, Chesterton says we need more fat saints. Amen. And Chesterton <laughs> is one of them. <laughs> well, preach it. I love it. Uh, are we going to see a G.K. Chesterton uh, as a saint soon? Uh, well, I don't know about soon, but we are certainly working on it. If people go to Chesterton.org, they can get a prayer card, and a lot of people have been asking for his intercession. We've we've passed out thousands and thousands of his prayer cards. All right. Praise be to God. Dale Alquist, thank you for your time today. We're very grateful to you. God bless you. God love you, and God bless you. Have a great day. And that is going to do it for hour number one of Catholic Drive Time. Praise be to God. We have survived it, even without Adrian Fonseca. Who knew? The graces of God are so good. But uh, all right, we're going to come back after the top of the hour break. We're going to have hour number two. If you are able to join us, we'll have a game show. I'm not sure exactly how, but it'll happen and prizes are involved. So we hope you'll come and hang out with us. You can find the links on our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. God love you and God bless you. If not, we'll see you back here 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern for Catholic Drive Time. See you then. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Why do Protestants not believe John 6 when it says that Jesus' flesh is real food and that his blood is real drink? I don't know. In Matthew 26, Mark 14, and Luke 22, Jesus says of the bread, this is my body. He says of the wine, this is my blood. Not this is symbolic of or this represents. He says this is. In John 6, he repeats himself like he does nowhere else in Scripture to emphasize the fact that he expects us to eat his flesh and drink his blood and that his flesh is real food and that his blood is real drink. Anyone who says he is speaking symbolically and not literally simply is refusing to look at all the facts. Fact number one, the Jews took him literally. We see that in verse 52. Fact number two, his disciples took him literally. We see that in verse 60. Fact number three, the apostles took him literally. Verses 67 to 69. If everyone who heard him speak at the time took him literally, then my question is, why does anyone today, 2,000 years after the fact, take him symbolically? Also, in verse 51 of John 6, Jesus says that the bread which he will give for the life of the world is his flesh. When did he give his flesh for the life of the world? On the cross. Was that symbolic? If you think Jesus is speaking symbolically here when he says that we must eat his flesh and drink his blood, then you must also conclude that Jesus' death on the cross was only symbolic. It wasn't really Jesus hanging up there. It was symbolic flesh and symbolic blood. Jesus is clearly talking about the flesh that he gave for the life of the world. He did that on the cross. Those who believe he is talking symbolically here in John 6 have a real problem when it comes to John 6, verse 51. Did Jesus give us his real flesh and blood for the life of the world, or was it only his symbolic flesh and blood? 
a beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Odyssey begins at the University of Dallas, the premier Catholic liberal arts university in Texas. With campuses in Irving and Italy, UD's rigorous core curriculum sets it apart. An education rooted in the great works of Catholic and Western tradition. An education that ennobles and enables students in their pursuit of wisdom, truth, and virtue. Undergraduate, graduate, and certificate programs available. Start your college odyssey at the University of Dallas today. Go to udallas.edu to learn more. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God, we ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic Drive Time. With Joe McLean and Emily Alcaraz. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. We just wrapped up a great conversation with Dale Alquist, uh, the uh, president of the G.K. Chesterton Society. I wonder how many people are like me and have struggled with G.K. Every, everybody I meet is like, oh, G.K. is the best. Oh, it's so amazing. And I'm always like, ugh. I mean, I just, I've always struggled with him, except for the Father Brown. That's obviously entertaining, but it's like the orthodoxy, the everlasting man. That stuff is, I've, and I've read JP too. I mean, I've read a bunch of stuff and still... I've always uh, had a struggle with Chesterton, but uh, at any rate, we're going to hopefully post that conversation later today on our YouTube, Rumble, Facebook, and elsewhere. All of the, all of the links are at grnonline.com forward slash CDT, but uh, good news, bad news, Emily Alcaraz. Bad news. Bad news. Well, the bad news is we had to go through the interview with Dale Alquest with me producing the show, which meant all of the camera switching was all like pretty befuddled. Uh, but the good news is Adrian Fonseca has graced us with his presence by coming into the studio. Uh, good morning to you. Uh, Adrian. Good morning. Good morning. Yes. Uh, hopefully you got, I mean, you look beautiful. So you must have gotten lots of beautiful rest. Very every, rested, very, uh, you know, uh, every drop of uh, beauty sleep I got, I got uh, like four weeks worth of beauty sleep in like one day. Uh, see, <laughs> you're talking and I can't even put you on camera. I, I can't, uh, like, I have to look down and go, okay, uh, studio, is that the, g- uh, yeah, there, there we go. go. There we go. Yep. So, so yeah. whoops. <laughs> My alarm didn't go off this morning and uh, I woke up at six in the morning with like fear struck my heart and I was like, oh no, this is. <laughs> It's not good. Isn't that the worst <laughs> yeah. feeling ever when uh, you wake up late? Just just about. Just it's about the just worst. So well, it's even worse when you wake up whenever the show starts <laughs> and not like a couple minutes before. Yes. Like I woke up at 6 a.m. Yes. exactly. Yes. That happened to me several years ago when I first started with the Guadalupe Radio Network. I was supposed to go to Alabama, catch a plane from across the city of Houston. Now, the city of Houston is like the third largest city in America. Uh, maybe fourth if Emily has her opinion on the matter. And and, uh, and I had to wake up. I woke up late. I had no gas in the car. It was morning drive time traffic. I had an hour to go. It was horrendous. <laughs> I was yeah. sweating bullets the entire way. That's the worst part. It's like you wake up late and you're like, okay, I can get dressed in two seconds. And you throw on clothes and you realize I still have an hour long drive to get to work. <laughs> yes. It's the worst feeling ever. But uh, 
At any rate, for your penance, good sir, you're going to have to produce the rest of the show. But uh, mea culpa, mea, mea culpa, mea maxima, maxima culpa. We're glad you could make it, Adrian. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right, so in this hour, we have fear and trembling, and now that Adrian's here, we can have a proper game. Uh, so uh, the first caller will be our contestant when I give out the phone number. And if you want to get on early and sit on hold, well, God be with you. You can do that uh, by going in to our website and finding the phone number and the rules to the game, grnonline.com forward slash cdt. That's grnonline.com forward slash cdt. We're going to have breaking news and stories with Emily. Of course, we're going to do uh, the uh, uh, saint of the day, gospel of the day, all of that coming up in this hour, plus an after show where we will conversate with you about whatever is on your heart, on your mind, whatever you want to discuss. You get to drive that conversation by being a part of it. Now, we are not streaming on YouTube today because I didn't have time to figure that part out. So uh, we are on Facebook and on I know. We're on YouTube. We're on Facebook. We're not on Twitter. That's what I meant to say. Couldn't figure out the Twitter part today, but that's okay. Either way, let's pray for your intentions. Whatever's on your heart, we're going to be praying for that, plus our own intentions here at the station and on the Catholic Drive Time team looking for Emily's replacement. May God provide uh, for the team and uh, all, all of you today. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand sinful and sorrowful. O mother of the word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now the headlines with Emily Alcaraz. The Vatican has announced a rosary initiative dedicating the month of May to prayer for an end to the coronavirus pandemic. The Pontifical Council for the Promotion of the New Evangelization said on April 21st that for the deep desire of the Holy Father, the month of May will be dedicated to a prayer marathon with the theme, Prayer to God Went Up Incessantly from the Whole Church. The Council said that the world's Catholic shrines would be involved in a special way as promoters of the rosary among Catholic individuals, families, and communities. The Catholic Church dedicates the month of May to the Blessed Virgin Mary. Pope Francis will open the month of prayer on May 1st, asking for Mary's intercession. The Vatican Museums have released a new YouTube series featuring the history behind famous works of art in short videos. Secrets of the Vatican Museums published its first video in the monthly series on April 20th, at a time when the museums themselves remain closed to the public due to the coronavirus pandemic. The video showcases the Belvedere Torso, an ancient Hellenistic sculpture that has been a part of the Vatican's art collection for over 500 years. The static tension in the pose of the sculpture is known to have been an inspiration to Michelangelo as he painted the athletic figures in the Sistine Chapel ceiling. Future videos in the year-long series will look at other works that inspired Michelangelo and Raphael, as well as mysteries of ancient pre-Christian civilizations, according to the Vatican Museums. Gian Domenico Spinola, the curator of the Vatican Museum's Department of Greek and Roman Antiquities, expressed hope that the video series would help visitors to gain a deeper appreciation of the showcased works of art like the Belvedere Torso once the museums reopen and tourists return. Blessed Margaret of Castello will become a canonized saint on September 19th of 2021 in Castello, Italy. 
Last fall, the Dominican friars in Rome who promote the causes of Dominicans for beatification and canonization submitted the Positio, the official case for the canonization of Blessed Margaret to the Holy See. This Positio incorporated a report of devotion to Blessed Margaret that was sent to the Dominican friars in Rome last spring. And an important part of that report was the evidence of great devotion of the members of the Blessed Margaret of Castello Guild. There are at present over a thousand members of the guild and they regularly receive miracles through their prayers for Little Margaret's intercession. Little Margaret of Castello was declared a blessed in 1609 and her incorrupt body lies under the main altar of St. Dominic Church in Castello. I'm Emily Alcaraz and these are your Thursday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things, blessed Francis of Fabrino. Uh, pray for us. He was born on the 2nd of September, 1251, in Italy. He was born to a wealthy family, the son of Campiano and of Margaret. He studied humanities and philosophy. And then he joined the Franciscans in 1267 at the age of 16. He, he spent part of his novitiate studying under the companions of St. Francis of Assisi. He, of course, became a friar. He became a priest who offered his masses for the souls in purgatory and a missionary right in his own backyard. He was a man of endless prayer and work, and he insisted that his brother friars stay strictly orthodox in their preaching and teaching. And just to ensure that this would be the case, he, in, he used his own family's money to buy an extensive library for them. He wrote on matters of theology and philosophy, but only time and, uh, and the, uh, the scraps of, of his works have survived for today. He died on the 22nd of April, 1322. He was beatified on April 1st, 1775 by Pope Pius VI. Blessed Francis of Fabriano, pray for us. The gospel today comes to us from John chapter 44 through 51. Jesus said to the crowds, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draw him, and I will raise him on the last day. It is written in the prophets, They shall all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to my Father and learns from him comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father. Amen, amen, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the desert, but they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh for the life of the world. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in the last hour, um, I, I, I decided to read from the RSVCE, and I actually backed it up to verse 41. And the reason why I did is because when you go to verse 41, you realize that there is a great uh, link going all the way back to Exodus. Because here they are in the wilderness, and they're murmuring against Jesus. And it's because of the bread of life. They began to, uh, to murmur. They began to complain. They began to, uh, cast aspersions. They began to chide him. And you see this building up. It's exactly the same scenario in the wilderness when the Israelites were brought out of the land of Egypt, out of slavery. 
and they were brought into the wilderness and being prepared. They were being set apart. They were being consecrated, and they entered into an, uh, an, a covenant relationship with God himself in Exodus 24, when the blood was sprinkled on the altar and the people from the sacrifices of the 12 princes of the people. It's, it's powerful. Exodus 24 I mean, if you read one chapter in all of Exodus, read that one, in my opinion. It's pretty fascinating. But anyway, my point is this. If you see this parallel and you see, that, you see the characters on the stage, the people, they're murmuring, uh, a prophet like Moses, but one greater than Moses. So what could be greater? Well, in the Old Testament, manna fell from the sky and it spoiled after a day. What would be greater? It would be greater if this manna was true bread come down from heaven. It would be greater if this bread lasted for an eternity. It would be greater if this bread gave us not just nourishment for the body, but grace for our journey to heaven. And that is exactly what Jesus is inviting them to. Um, but they murmured, they murmured about his, his uh, where, where, who did he come from? Isn't this Joseph's son? And even Augustine points out, he took man's flesh upon him, but not after the manner for, of men. For his father being in heaven, he chose a mother upon earth and was born of her without a father. This is special. That's what Augustine's pointing out. And uh, they're murmuring because they can't wrap their heads around how Jesus might tell us that we are to eat his flesh, which is we're going to get into deeper in the probably tomorrow, um, which I can't wait for. But he's already doubling down. He's already doubling down on this proposition that his flesh is true food for us. So it's powerful. It's a great opportunity for us to rem- remind ourselves that the Old Testament, as St. Augustine would say, is uh, the, the new is hidden in the old and the old is revealed in the new. That is a classic St. Augustine. Well, it's so true in John's gospel. Every page you're going to find glimmers of the old coming to life in their perfection. And here we are seeing it now because being taught by God, as Isaiah 54 would tell us, in the messianic age, God himself would restore teach and prosper his people. And that is the church that Christ has brought to us. Uh, All right, I'm going to wrap up there because we're going to have a couple of minutes here and we're going to go to our break and we're going to play our game show and I'll give out the phone number in one moment. But before I do, I was derelict in my duties yesterday and I think it's time to make good. I think so too. Uh, So we have a super fan, uh, an incredible, awesome Catholic Drive Time super fan. We need to send him a mug. Absolutely. So all the super fans are waiting for their mugs. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting there, I promise. But Jonah gets his first. But Jonah, you get yours first. So if we can get your address, we will mail you a, Catholic, an, a personally autographed Catholic Drive Time mug, a Divine Providence mug, and we'll mail it to you as a birthday present. Because Jonah just turned how old? I believe it's 11, if I'm 11. not mistaken. Can you, you remember being 11, how cool like a 10, 11, 12 is? I'm, it, I'm pretty sure most people time. accuse me of still being 11. Yes, so. that's true. I mean, you look 11. But there you go. Uh, <laughs> praise be to God. Someday, someday that beard will come in, I promise. At any rate, let's go back to Jonah. Jonah, I want to just uh, thank you for being an incredible super fan. You've played our Fear and Trembling Game Show. You were a fun uh, contestant to have on the program. And we want to say happy birthday, Jonah. So let's all, let's all give uh, Jonah a little bit of happy birthday here. Uh, happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. <laughs> Happy birthday, dear Jonah. Happy 
happy birthday to you. And I just got coffee all over me. Oh, no. All right, we're going to go to break. We're going to come right back, and we will play Fear and Trembling. The phone number is 877-757-9424. Praise be to God in all things, including coffee being spilt all over your lap. God is so very good. We're going to have a game show coming up next, and prizes are involved, and you can be the first caller at 877-757-9424. We'll be right back. We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder, yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, we'd like to invite you home. Discover more at catholicscomehome.org. Protestants like to use James 2, 10 through 11 against the Catholic doctrine of mortal and venial sin. Because James says, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. But James can't be denying the doctrine of mortal and venial sin because in 1.15 he affirms it, saying that sin in its beginning stages doesn't bring death, venial sin, whereas it does in its more mature stages, mortal sin. The point James is making in James 2.10-11 is that we must keep all the commandments in order to avoid incurring the guilt of transgressing the law. We can't say to the Lord on Judgment Day, Lord, I only broke one commandment but kept the other nine. So James 2, 10 through 11 is simply a misfire in trying to take down the Catholic belief of mortal and venial sin. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. For 2,000 years, we've helped the poor and comforted the sick. We've educated generations of children develop the scientific method and college system. We support marriage and human life. Guided by the Holy Spirit, we compiled the Bible. We are the Catholic Church. With over one billion in our family, sharing in the fullness of Christian faith in the church started by Jesus. If you've been away, visit catholicscomehome.org today. Welcome home. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired and fear and trembling. The Catholic Trivia Game Show, where we have a secret and hidden agenda. So please do us a favor and don't tell anybody. Okay, so keep this between us. But on uh, fear and trembling, we like to do a couple of things. We like to teach a little bit about the faith. So you tend to learn something you probably didn't know before. We like to have a laugh in the process. And we like to give out prizes, so it's kind of a winner for everybody involved. So praise be to God for that. But here's the kicker if you're just joining us. I have Catholic trivia questions in my hand. They are official Catholic trivia questions. In fact, i got the whole game box sitting right over there. 
Uh, but I don't ask the caller. See, that's the kicker. The caller does not even need to know the answers to any of these questions because they will always have a 50-50 shot at getting it right. Because I, in fact, ask Emily and I ask Adrian. One of them will be right and the other will be wrong. And the caller will have 15 seconds on the clock to decide who do they trust more, Emily or Adrian? And then every right answer goes into the coffee cup of Divine Providence to win this week's prize. Tell them what they could win, Emily. This week's prize sponsor is Providential Company. That's providential.co is their website. And this week they're giving away a prize pack, which includes a candle, a victory votive candle. I'm on their website and it's actually sold out right now. So you're going to get this sold out product, the victory votive candle that smells like church incense. Um, as well as an Our Lady of Guadalupe print and a Memento Mori enamel pin. So today and tomorrow are your last chances to win this prize. Thank you to Providential Company. Praise be to God. I want to thank everybody who called in. If you don't get in tomorrow, there's another chance. Call early and uh, maybe you'll get your opportunity. But let's go to the phones. Let's see. Alan, good morning to you. Thanks for being a part of our Fear and Trembling game show. <laughs> Uh, good morning, Joe, Emily, and Adrian. Brother Alan, good morning. Thanks uh, again for being on. Um, now, have you you've played before, right, Alan? It's been a long time, but I think you've played before. I did. Yeah. All right. So you know the rules. You know this how this thing is played. Now, Alan, remind, remind us one more time. Where do you go to church? St. John Vianney Catholic Church. What in, is it? You called it the Basilica of the West. The Basil- Okay, they're in Houston, Texas. Uh, the Basilica of correct. the West. All right, so, uh, Alan, praise be to God, we're going to play. Now, you, you know, Emily and Adrian, they can be tricky. you got to keep a careful eye out, but you should know that. You've met him many times. Uh, yeah, you know how those young people are, you know, they're trying to trick us old people. That's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking, but I, however, am on your side, as you know. So let's play. Uh, Emily, we'll start with you, as is our custom. Are you ready? I'm ready. Are you sure? Yes. Are you sure? Absolutely. All right. Uh, let's see here. I made this question a little easier. The, originally, it wanted everything listed. I narrowed it down to only two. Okay. So, Emily, can you tell me, can you name two of the seven chief capital sins? You only need two. Two. Okay. I'm going to go with pride and wrath. Pride and wrath. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Let's see what Adrian has to say. Adrian, uh, good morning, by the way. It's good to have you in the team. Uh, I know. I'm never going to let you live that down. You just, you know, that's coming, right? Okay. Anyway, just business. We got to stay focused. Adrian, can you tell me? Can you name two of the seven chief capital sins? Just two. Just two. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with, let's see, murder and depriving a workers of his wages. Oh. Murder and depriving his a worker of his wages as a chief capital sin. Yes, hmm. sir. Adrian is on the hook for murder and depriving a, a worker of their wages. And Emily is on the hook for pride and wrath. And it's all about the chief capital sins. There are seven of them. Who's right? Who's wrong? Alan, what say you? Emily. Survey says... No yes. easy peasy. Easy peasy. <laughs> no fooling you. Did you know that already, Alan, or were you just guessing? Of course I knew that, even though the other two I can I can relate to uh, depriving <laughs> the worker of their wages. And I being murdered? That. Hopefully you can't relate <laughs> to murder. Um, Hopefully you can't well, relate to murder. W- no, no, I have I've never murdered anybody, but Praise don't God. participate in gossip. 
Yes. Oh, well, there's that's that. True. Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. Good point. But it's, in fact, let's go through the list of chief capital sins real quick. Uh, Adrian, what do we have there? Uh, pride, covetousness, lust, anger, gluttony, envy, and sloth. Covetous- covetousness can also just be greed. Yeah. Anger is wrath, right? Yes. Okay. Anger is wrath. Well, well done, Alan. You're in the coffee cup of divine providence for one try. Let's see how you do on the next one. Uh, the next one's a historical question, and I, I know that you're big on that, so let's just see how it goes. Adrian, are you ready? Yes, sir. Adrian, can you tell me which pope was responsible for building the Sistine Chapel? Uh, that's a good question. I, you know, I'm pretty sure, I'm not, not certain, I think that might be Pope Sixtus the Fourth. Pope Sixtus the Fourth. Pope Sixtus the Fourth. Mm, okay, okay. Emily, can you tell me which pope was responsible for building the Sistine Chapel? Well, Pope Sixtus the Fourth sounds completely made up. What? So I'm going to go with Pope Pius the Fifth. Pius the Fifth. So you're saying there was a sixth? Yes. <laughs> well, there, there, there were 12 Pope Pius. Right? There's a lot of them. I'm just throwing curveballs. That's all I'm doing. <laughs> I was like, wait, okay. what? Okay, let's see here. Uh, Emily is on the hook for Pope Pius V. And Adrian is on the hook for Pope Sixtus IV. Who's right? Who's wrong? Who's trying to fool you? Alan, what say you? Adrian. Survey says... Whoa! Whoa, How did you know that? We thought you were going to miss that for sure, but you nailed it. I think Pius V gave it away. How did you know that, Alan? Okay, Pius V was the one that wore the, um, he was the one that wore the Dominican um, habits. That's where we get the white habit from. Wow. Sistine, Sistine comes from Sixtus. Yes. There you go. There you go. We may have to have a stump Allen section. Yeah, I think so. Hall of Famer right here. That'd be funny. That'd be fun. Bring it on. Well, you're in for two. Third third time here. Let's just, uh, maybe you'll hit a perfect score. Who knows? Let's see. Um, Emily, we're back to you this time. Emily, can you tell me, what is the term for the thousand years reign which Christ is to rule on earth before the last day, according to the book of Revelation. Could you repeat the question? What is the term for the thousand-year reign in which Christ is to rule on earth before the last day in the book of Revelation? Uh, I'm going to go with the second coming. The second coming? Yes. Let's see what Adrian has to say. I know he's a big fan of the Left Behind series, so let's just see here. Adrian, can you tell us... What is the term for the thousand-year reign in which Christ is to rule on earth before the last day, according to the book of Revelation? Lord, rapture me now. Uh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Rap <laughs> it all. Um, let's see. The millennium. The millennium. The, the millennium. Mm, all right. Adrian is on the hook for the millennium. Emily is on the hook for the second coming. Fifteen seconds on the clock, Alan. Who's right? Who's wrong? What say you? Ah, Emily! Survey says we Oh, we got him. We got him. Come on, Alan. I had money right. I mean, no, no, I didn't. I haven't. No, but we got you, buddy. You got me. Yeah, that's okay. It's, in fact, the millennium. I would have got that one wrong, too, to be honest. (laughs) Praise be to God, Alan. You are in the coffee cup twice. So you got to feel pretty good about that still. I do. I do. Yeah. I have to read that book of Revelation. Gonna have to read it. 
Yeah, well, yeah, I've read yeah. it, I don't know, a bunch of times. But uh, if you're looking for a very cool way to consume the book of Revelation, I can highly recommend the EWTN mobile app listening to the, mo- the book of Revelation in massive production quality. It's just amazing. It will unfold in your mind, and you will just be uh, captivated by that. So you can download that in your app store. <laughs> All right. Praise be to God. That is going to do it, Alan. I'm going to put you on hold. Uh, I think we have your phone number, but I'm going to ask Adrian just to make sure. Uh, But you can always pick up your your prize if you win. You can always... Actually, no, we'll have to mail it to you. But anyway, God love you, Alan. Have a great day. We're going to put you on hold. And uh, if it's God's providence, if it's his divine will, your name will come out of the cup on Friday. Okay. Thank you. God God bless you, Alan. All right, we survived it. I feel like I should get like a like a trophy or something, like a gold <laughs> star, a pat on the back. I don't know. Uh, but, uh, participation trophies to everyone except for me. So I didn't, I didn't participate <laughs> between uh, between producing the show and having to think and talk and spilling coffee all over my lap. I mean, praise be to God! What an incredible you, show! You did great, Joe. You, I, you almost made it through unscathed until the coffee. Almost. It's not even Friday, so I haven't even prayed the litany of humility yet. Thank you, Lord, for your graces. Friday is going to be fun. Friday is going to be fun. All right, that's going to do it for the radio side of our show. If you're going to hold, or going to listen to mass or going to mass today, please do keep us in your prayers uh, and our intentions, of course. Uh, for God's divine will to pr- bring us the perfect candidate to uh, fill in for Emily after she departs the show, uh, we'd be grateful to you. We, of course, continue to pray for you. Uh, but coming up in a moment, if you are at all able to join us, uh, join us in the after show. It's a lot of fun. We get very casual. There are insider jokes tossed all around the place with our super fans in the chat box. You can find us on Facebook and on YouTube today. I couldn't get the Twitter thing working, so but we are all over Facebook and on YouTube. Plenty of places to comment and interact. You can find all of that linked up on our website, grnonline.com uh, forward slash CDT. That's grnonline.com forward slash CDT. We have an incredible guest lined up for you tomorrow on Catholic Drive Time. You've heard about Shout Your Abortion? What about Shout Your Story? We're going to be conversating about that. I'm post-abortive, so I'm looking forward to this conversation tomorrow on Catholic Drive Time, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, bringing you the best, the latest, the most incredible guests. It's part of our job, and we're glad you're here. God bless you, and God love you. We'll see you in the after show or tomorrow morning. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to the After Show, where we conversate about whatever it is that's on your mind. And I'm still trying to get myself sorted. <laughs> it's just a just a hot mess today. So I'm trying to get the uh, the chat box up and see who's on there. I haven't had the opportunity really today 
and uh, figure out uh, what's going on in the chat side. I haven't had a chance to really follow anything, so I don't know what's going on today. Um, Jesus has been cracking me up. What's we, he, <laughs> we're going to have to wait for Adrian. But uh, <laughs> we have that financial obligation to require Adrian to read all of Jesus Robles' uh, comments. Praise be to God. So I, I accidentally refreshed the page, so I lost all the comments from what? earlier. What? You did not. Why but wouldn't they be there still? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Um, but uh, it looks like I mean Christopher was really excited to ha- see to listen to Dale. Sorry we didn't get to your questions. He kind of answered them, Chris, about gender, gender identity, that kind of stuff. Yeah, praise be to God. All right, let's go through some. Just uh, thanking some folks here for being here. Uh, I haven't opened up YouTube yet, so I'll have to do that here in a moment. I've but got YouTube of if you want me to get started there. Yeah, go for it. Sure. So good morning to Monica, who was there from the beginning. Good morning to Susanna, who said, good morning. Adrian went to pick up some McDonald's. I wish, Susanna. He should have. Wouldn't that have been nice? I mean, you're going to show up an hour after the show starts. Might as well bring some, like, refreshments or something. I mean, I would have, but that would have made me another hour late because McDonald's always has a line as long as I don't know what. Yeah. Um, She also said to pray for the intentions of everyone listening. Yes, we always do, Susanna. Thank you. I think Zachary Payne may be a new commenter. I don't recognize him, but he, I don't know what the context of this was, but he said, women, submit to your husband. Amen. Amen. I don't know what the context was, but good for you, Zach. Um, Christopher Velasquez, good morning, CDT. Fear the one who can kill the soul. Amen. So Chris really liked your comment there, Joe. Praise be to God. Uh, Angela Bustamante, Bustamante, good morning, CDT, and my brothers and sisters in Christ. Good morning to you. Jacob, possibly a new commenter? Yeah. Good morning, Jacob. Could be. Jacob. I don't see Jacob. I do. Uh, What about Low79FX? That's uh, Uh, Samuel. (laughs) Oh, I read his comment with Dale. Is he... Oh, there's Jacob. Has Samuel commented before? Uh, I think so. Yeah, Samuel's an old friend. Was he on the game show? I think he has been on the game show. Oh, that's right. Yeah, sorry. My, I'm old. That's my excuse. And he he's the one who said he's got his son's reading G.K. Chesterton yeah. at an early wow. age. Wow. You're amazing. That's impressive. Praise be to God. My kids love G.K. Chesterton. They also think I'm crazy. That's good. You're a, There's a long line. There's a long <laughs> line of distinguished individuals who think I'm insane. Uh, how did the interview go with Dale Alquist? Um, it was great. <laughs> was it? Yes. <laughs> I, it, was, it was good. It was hard. It's hard. From the production side. Dale, is, Dale was wonderful. It is so hard to think and to multitask and to keep plates spinning. It is, uh, I, it's been, I've been spoiled with having Adrian around. I've, you know, back in the day when I first started the radio station here in the Houston market and I did the show, I did everything. I produced, I talked, I booked guests, I did, I did everything. And I remember um, sometimes being good at it and a lot of times not, like forgetting to turn turn guest mic- microphones on or and then when i added the streaming side and i put a built-in camera system like 15 more steps yes and then of course then i said oh well now we have to have guests on by video so we added the zoom chats and and as you layer all this stuff you realize how complicated it is and then so like when you look at like a, a fox news or a cnn or even they have like two people for each one of the jobs <laughs> exactly you have like two people <laughs> running the stream two people running yeah. uh, the the board two people monitoring the uh, the streams yes uh it's like yeah it's a pretty hefty it's, it's thing. a hefty thing and um they even have people that all they do is book guests yep that's like that's their only task and i boy do i wish we could have one of those 
that would be so awesome to to find someone who can just you know track people down and get them on the show, which is which is very time consuming actually. But the interview itself, though, how did that go? Wait, well, praise God, he's great. He's a great guest. I was really looking forward to it, so I guess I'll have to go back and watch it. Yeah. Also, Joe forgot to hit record on the uh, yeah. on the on the OBS. So we're going to have to pull the stream from uh, Facebook or somewhere else. YouTube. So we can pull it down from YouTube. We can pull it down from YouTube. Yeah. So it'll be a lower quality when we upload it onto YouTube this today versus my, usual. My bad. Good morning, Eric I Rodriguez. I expect, expect everything to be absolutely perfect. And right. Valentine. It's a reasonable expectation. Reasonable. Very All right, reasonable. let's go to the Facebook side. There's a lot of people hanging out over on the Facebook side. Patty, of course, our friend. Patty, Bruce. Bruce, good morning to you. Praise be to God. He said on when he was talking about Chesterton, he says, I like to start with the one-liners and then go to the source. Then you know the point of a uh, chapter and can read how he unpacks it. Works better for me, at least. Praise be to God. I shared with the audience how I struggle with Chesterton. You and, shared with Dale how you struggled with Chesterton. Yeah, and Dale just laughed at it. What me. did he say to that? It's like, you're the only person on planet Earth I've ever met like that. <laughs> just you. You're the only one. No, he said he runs into that all the time. He just encouraged me to keep reading. Um, I think he, he, I think he, oh, no, his biggest advice was they've just come out with an English translation of orthodoxy. He said American translation. I know. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just laughing because I, I said to him, I said, you, you needed an English translation. That took English? me a second to piece yeah, together. I was, I was thinking like, that. I was really, I was really, con- I'm really confused. Like, there's a, how do you translate? <laughs> That's like translating Shakespeare is into it, English. Is it a dynamic translation? Like, what's the? Go- I should have asked him that. I forgot to ask that. <laughs> I was too busy distracting him and everything. I should have. It's like, is it like the NAB? I mean, like, how good is this translation? <laughs> is that it is like very the weird. <laughs> is That's it RSV? Are we talking Dewey Rams? What are we talking here? Now he did say, he did say that the real brilliance behind Chesterton is really Thomas Aquinas, and you were not even here to enjoy oh, the Adrian, moment. You missed it. That's horrible. I'm yeah. so upset. Did y'all yeah. talk about his book, um, G.K. Chesterton's book on Aquinas? Um, he mentioned it, I think. Okay. Also okay. Francis, Yeah, too. he mentioned it a couple times. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, at any rate, let's see here. I see Bruce Tolman, William Pease, good morning to you. Christopher Chance, of course, it's good to see you back here. Praise be to God. Um, he had some questions. We were, Unfortunately, we couldn't get to it. Patty thought uh, Father Brown was a lot like Columbo. Yeah, I think that's true. I think that's true. Father, you guys probably don't remember the Columbo television show? Nope. No. Too young? Too old? Too What are you? Like 23. Um, Columbo would ask, uh, he's more in the Socrates, uh, I would say. Columbo, he just asks lots of questions. But he, uh, he was a quirky character, short, wide detective on television. Patty, well done, guys. We survived it. Uh, Christopher Chance, are you going to buy the American translation, Joe? I might have to. I may have to uh, get a copy and see if that helps any. I don't know. Who else is on? Um, hey, of course, there's a ton of Jesus Robles comments. Now, what was going on with Jesus? He says, uh, do you see those, Adrian? Uh, let's see. <clears throat> yes. So our dear friend, our dear, dear friend, my, uh, my favorite commenter, uh, also known as... Um, Yes, also known as that. Exactly, yes. Uh-huh. I thought we were going to escape that today uh, with Adrian not being on the show. He may, maybe we'll get away clean and no, not, not do this to impossible. our listeners. That's impossible. He made this great comment. He said, 
I was in fear and trembling that Adrian would not be able to make it to the game show. This is a Trinitarian act. Adrian, Fonseca, Emily Alcaraz, and Joe. I lost half of my hair just pondering. I began to read the very confusing book of Bonaventure, and nothing made sense. Now that Adrian has arrived, this crisis has been mitigated, and I then opened the Summa Praise, Praise be to God. <laughs> Deo gratias. is where it's at, Jesus. What are you talking about? I have That's a amazing. great book on Bonaventure sitting next Bonaventura. to my, my reading chair. Yes, Bonaventure is a much, much more difficult person to read. Much more awesome. Um, Incredible. And, and especially if you read it in Latin, it's so much harder to and read. And he's at least more handsome than Aquinas. I mean, um, just all around, you know, flex, Renaissance okay. man. Uh, he's the most interesting man in the in the universe. Pretty sure. Uh, okay. Uh, sure. And Cynthia says Weird. our show is not playing. <laughs> what? Oh, no, 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 no. no. Uh, it's on. Never mind. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. And then he was, uh, okay, so Emily Alcaraz. Uh, da, 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 da. He, he's really trying to make me feel bad about yeah. leaving. <laughs> he is. He's doing, he's doing a great job. Um, I believe Jonah is a game show Hall of Famer. We should have a Hall of Fame. That would have been a cool addition to the Fear and Trembling show is... Uh, Joe sung two octaves. <laughs> That's the gag, Christopher. Where every time I sing "Happy Birthday," I intentionally, uh, I intentionally go crazy with it. That's the gag. That's the joke. Uh, oh, horror! Over oh, the horror, the singing has has been trembled. <laughs> My ears are bleeding. <laughs> yeah, Josh. Josh actually texted me a uh, meme. Uh, he goes, you, uh, y'all just now singing on air, and it's a meme of, uh, of the happy birthday song, but the notes are like all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> That's the joke. And the meme says, uh, how happy birthday is sung in the workplace, and it's like literally everyone playing, uh, singing a different note. It's pretty funny. Yeah, that is funny. Happy birthday, Jonah. It says, I'm writing my final paper for my master's, but I have a pause for the game show. It's very wow. important. It's very important. Praise be to God. Hopefully you in, you included something from the game show in your paper. Now, that would be boss level 10. Hashtag wrong, so, so wrong from Christopher Chance. Okay, so there's a bunch of stuff there from Jesus and Christopher. Praise be to God. Anybody else? Uh, Josh Patterson, good morning to you. Also, peep the top fan status. Hi, <laughs> now you've become a top fan. Josh, congratulations. Get out of here. Uh, Christopher Chance is... Uh, we're going back. Cynthia! Now, is Cynthia new? I think so. Cynthia Sierra? Maybe. maybe. Ooh. Well, you know what we have. There's a bunch of some new, new well, timers just in here. Case, just in case there are new people, uh, let us know. But just in case, we'll play. Very good. Very good. Praise Much be love. to God. Much love. Welcome to the show. Thank you for being a first-time commenter. Cynthia, God love you and God bless you. We appreciate all of our first-time commenters. But we need something a little more uh, energy, I think. Oh, yeah, I agree. Jesus is a friend of mine. That was not what I was thinking, though. Jesus is a friend of mine. I have a friend of Jesus. Jesus. There you go. High energy. You, you, you were right. You were right. It needed, it needed more energy. No, mm -mm, that's not what I was considering, but okay. Oh, you were thinking of this one. Nope. Nope. Definitely. I think the producer can do it, and the producer can get it done. Uh, which one are you meaning? Which one are you talking about? Um, let's see. I know there was something here. Maybe. I... 
No, 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 no. Come on, man. Yeah, I know. I'm, t- I'm right there with you. Yes. Oh, that's what you're looking for. Yes. The horns of the apocalypse. Oh. <sighs> Tell me you don't love that. I mean, it's just. It's, I don't love that. It's very, bo- <laughs> it's very book of revelation. It's amazing. Uh, Josh Noel, good morning to you. Lori, I, I warned you all. I told you. Inside jokes would be tossed about recklessly. That's what happens on the a- after show. Lori and Joaquin are going back and forth on Facebook. Susan Weber, good morning. Pre- pre- <laughs> good morning. Go, Emily. You said something that uh, got her all excited. Oh. I think it was in the What's Concerning Us section. She, she was like, preach it, sister. Amen. Uh, uh, Tony, good morning to you over on the Facebook side. And, of course, Josh is there. Waking up late is the worst feeling. That's why I set five alarms. <laughs> five? <laughs> I set two, Josh. Praise be to God. I thought I was the only crazy person. Normally, normally I set uh, two alarms, and then I have it set. So this is – I think this is what happened. I think um, the – so I normally have – I have it set to uh, bedtime mode on my phone – I have an iPhone. They have a bedtime mode, and it shuts everything off, puts everything on, um, on what's it called? No, do not disturb. So I can't. I don't get texts and phone calls once I go to bed. And uh, the and for some reason, oh, and I forgot to set my normal alarms. But bedtime mode is supposed to set. It's supposed to wake you up at uh, the designated time that I have it set, which is two thirty in the morning. And uh, it didn't go off. And so, but I didn't set up my backup backup alarms because I just forgot to set up my backup alarms. Yeah, and those didn't go off because I didn't set them. I was trying to call you, but it went straight to voicemail. Yep, because the bedtime mode, which it should, it, I have it set to automatically turn off at two a.m. and then the alarm to set to go off at two thirty. Yeah. Uh, so I should be able to receive calls at starting at two a.m. Um, but for some reason, uh, it wasn't working. So God's will, very weird. God's holy will be done. It was His will that we should have to. Uh, Jump through a few extra hoops today. Well, praise be to God, we are surviving it thus far. Except I have coffee all spilt all down me other than that. <laughs> and I have no idea what happened to my reading glasses. They've <laughs> gone. Disappeared. Disappeared. It was God's providence. God's holy providence. Praise be to God. Josh said, Adrian, Harsha just heard th- that song for the first time and called it blasphemy. Um, <laughs> which one, Josh? The Jesus is a friend, or if God don't do it? Um, those, those are they were excellent songs. I don't know what Harsha is talking about. Uh, Harsha is a friend of ours. Uh, he's uh, he is um, a convert from Hinduism. So oh. pretty cool. So pretty cool guy. Welcome home. Very interesting character, though. Me and him are always uh, battling it out about uh, different uh, minutia of theology. So it's kind of fun. Yeah. Did, did you see Eric's comment? No, I didn't. Did the alarms fail Adrian, or did Adrian fail the alarms? Mm. Oh. <laughs> this think, is, these are the deep questions I think we need, that we uh, have to struggle with. I think, no, I think we can do a, like a, get an investigation going. I mm. might know somebody in the Houston PD that might help us out and uh, send somebody down to investigate the situation. There might be a conflict you know, of interest there. Yeah, I was about to say, I was like, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know if we can have a fair trial in this matter. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Ouch, yeah. The politics around it would be terrible. All right. Uh, I think we've mentioned everybody. Uh, praise be to God. God did not want Adrian in the road so early this morning. Yes. I mean, who knows what could yeah. have happened. You know, that is, uh, I think, a great talking point, actually, because like I mentioned back in, during Lent, my wife and I were going through Trustful Surrender to Divine Providence by St. Colombert, and um, we're now reading the uh, Heliotropus, which is like t- 10 times harder. Um we missed this weekend, though. we got to make up for that. But otherwise, 
it's about God's divine providence and his will and accepting everything that happens, like spilling the coffee on me, you know, God's, God's divine will. Um, Adrian not coming in and having to figure out how to produce the show myself. God's divine will. I mean, I, maybe I could have been better prepared. But ultimately, when things happen, maybe it was God's divine will because the alternative was if Adrian had gotten up on time, maybe some other thing could have happened that would have been worse. So trusting in God's divine providence is, is uh, the way to perfection, as uh, Trustful Surrender says. I'm really considering producing a whole series on that because I think it's that powerful. Uh, so we may be doing that in the future. We'll have to see. Uh, Susan said that she got her son an alarm that jumps off the table, and he has to get up to turn it off. <laughs> he did not appreciate it. That's super cool. That's pretty funny. Now, you know, I used to struggle with alarms when I was young. And when pagers became a thing, now you young people probably don't even know what a pager is. Yeah, it's a, those things that you. Uh, I've seen them in the movies. Oh, have I, you? I yes. was thinking, you know, those things. Have you ever that seen you one hold in real life? And you have to put in the printer. Yeah, and it comes my out of the parents printer. used to have pagers. Did they? Yeah. Really? So, I thought it was like when you like you page through a book, you flip <laughs> through. <laughs> we need a back in my day segment, like with old timey music and whatever. Uh, <laughs> back in my day, when we had pagers, and I remember the first time I could set an alarm on the pager and i tried that and i it would wake me up every time without fail but alarm clocks could go off across the room and i would not hear them for whatever reason there was something psychologically different so ever since then when i when phones had started to have that capability i started using the phone and generally speaking unless i forget to like if i have the phone on mute or whatever which is a possibility otherwise it wakes me right up. I ne- almost never have any issues. Yeah, I've ne- I don't think I've ever slept in an alarm before, actually. Alarms really wake me up. I'm, I'm a fairly light sleeper. Um, so back I guess in that's my a blessing. Day. Yeah, back in my day. You know, it's funny because Joe keeps talking about back in his day, yet uh, this song Jesus is actually a song for back in his day. It's like an old, you know, 60s uh, song. So I, I don't know why he doesn't like it. It's right up his alley of, you know, old people songs, you know? Why didn't I take the opportunity with you not being in the room to delete the button? <laughs> delete the button. That's that's because you were busy trying to God's do everything else. Divine providence. <laughs> yes, Joe. There, there are kids who have never even seen a CD or even heard of a floppy disk. Oh, Let man. that. You mean the, you mean the safe button? <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Just preach it. You know, I got, in the Marine Corps. I, I slept in, overslept. I had. I got into a bad habit. I got into a bad habit. I was working uh, the second shift, and um, for like three, four days on end, I wouldn't sleep at all, and I I'd end up passing out, and and it got to be pretty bad actually because of my cycle that I was in, and uh, I overslept uh, for I think it was the rifle range, and I got office hours. I got punished. I got locked into the barracks for thirty days. Dang for oversleeping. So you're going to get off pretty easy, I'd say, there, Brother Adrian. 30 days. 30 days. I, had to, I, had to, I couldn't wear civilian clothes. I had to always be in uniform. And I had to, uh, when I wasn't at work, I had to be, or at the chow hall, I had to be at the barracks for 30 days. That sounds like fun. Yeah, amen. Uh, Josh said, I heard some kid ask why someone had a 3D printed save icon. That is hilarious. That is so funny. No way. Because, you know, the save icon is a floppy disk and... Nobody knows what floppy disks are anymore. That's crazy. That's awesome. Now, it's funny as the floppy disk you were thinking of wasn't actually floppy. It was a, a hard plastic 
the the small ones. But back in my day, see, we need we need a back in my day sounder. We need a we need. A, can you get me a button that says "Back in my day"? We need something like that. Come we on, can just, man. We can just record you saying it. <laughs> we could, uh, but the floppy disks. When I was like in middle school, you know, yeah, when you worked on the Commodore sixty four. How many people remember the Commodore sixty four? No idea what that is. How many people learned to program and like change the color of the screen? And you're like, wow, that's super cool. I, I do no. I remember that. And we had to carry the big, huge, actual floppy disks. I don't even remember how much storage they had on them. Like seven. 100 kilobytes i don't even remember like the the, the little the 1.4 megabyte f- what they called floppies were actually hard disks i had those in college as well i used why, to have a cd player like with the headphones oh really yeah yeah i'm confused why do they call them floppy disks then no uh, we had a uh, so when cd when cds came out um the portable cds you know, and I remember like when they had like anti-skip technology. We were like, "That is so amazing!" What does that mean? Uh, what it would do is it it had some onboard memory and it would read ahead and store that, so it was constantly reading ahead. So because we would use them in the car, we would we would velcro them to the dashboard what? so we could play <laughs> CDs, and uh, and then if the car bounced, it you know would skip the CD. So the anti-skip technology helped us to. Uh, to have the cool, so cool tunes in the car. That is so weird. <laughs> it's oh my god. The benefits of being elderly, I guess. Commodore, Atari. Yes, I had the Atari twenty four hundred. Remember that? No, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't really play. Video I games. liked Pitfall. I only had two game stations growing up. That was the GameCube and the PlayStation. Were the uh, only two games until I was in high school, and then we got a Wii. <laughs> That's about it. <laughs> yeah, Madden, the Bigs. Uh. No, I gave up video games as a young adult because adults shouldn't be playing video games, in my opinion. But that's his Jesus me. said, my alarm goes off with Jesus is a friend of mine. <laughs> Amen, Jesus. I, I don't doubt that you No, know, Maybe I should set second, that as my alarm. Jesus. Ha, ha, ha. All right, uh, what else? Let's see here. Eric Rodriguez on YouTube says, just like the pay phone booths. I know. Brick cell phones. You mean phones. the things that Superman changes in? Eric, you, how old are you? You're like 40. So you're pretty close to my age. I'm 46. Going to be 47 here in a few months. And um, I used to know when I was a, a young man in serving in the Marine Corps in Hawaii, I knew where every payphone was. I had the pager, of course. But I knew where every payphone was, and we always had quarters on us. Like if I got a page, I knew exactly which, which was the closest payphone. Now I could not tell you about – I don't know where a single payphone is anymore. Do they even exist? I have no uh, idea. Yes, they, I know for a fact yeah. they exist because I needed one whenever I was coming home from the novitiate and I didn't have a cell phone. Mm-hmm, same. And I, oh, my gosh, same. <laughs> <laughs> same situation and everything. That's hilarious. Yeah, I was I – was, uh, it was crazy. That was scary oh, trying to get goodness. home from a different state with no cell phone with or no technology phone. on you at I didn't all. have a credit card either. No money. I had no yeah. money. They gave me cash and then because of COVID – they were like, um, we're not accepting cash. And I was like, what? <laughs> I, like, I have, all I have is cash. Yeah. I had to ask someone to borrow a phone. They thought I was homeless. <laughs> Same. Oh, my goodness. No, because I was dressed in a suit and tie. And they were like, and I was like, um, I don't have a cell phone. And he was like, sketchy. Why does this guy not have a cell phone? I, was, I entered in summer and I left in winter. So I was wearing summer clothes. I was freezing. <laughs> oh, my goodness. There was snow on the ground in Chicago and I had a short skirt on. <laughs> yeah, that was crazy. When I got to Houston, oh, and father accidentally booked me the wrong flight. Oh, no. And so he, I, he accidentally booked me a flight for the next week. 
What? But then he dropped me off at the airport and had no way of contacting him <laughs> <laughs> to let him know. And so I struggled True. through. It was a long process. And I finally was able to get a flight home. But it was to the wrong airport at the wrong time. Oh, and so my, I needed to figure out how to tell my parents. Dude. It was a, such a struggle. So you went from becoming a Dominican to becoming a beggar, like a Franciscan. like mm. well, A real mean, mendicant. A mendicant, you mean? Like you a Dominican? You can say it, Franciscan. It's fine. I'm all right with it. <laughs> you, you do know Dominicans are Francis- also mendicants. <laughs> Right. Just help, I'll help you with the syllables. Franciscan. Hey, new commenter. What is this? Oh, do you see Don and his 8-track player and his Corvair? I had an 8-track player, Don. Praise be to God, I remember that. All right, who's the new commenter? Andy Amber. What? That's super cool. Hallelujah. 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 I remember landline phones. Me too. We're, me and Emily are like at the age where we are. We live through the change. We live through the transition. Yeah. yeah really? So we we got mm-hmm. the tail end of everything else that you are talking about while still being growing up with all the new stuff. Yeah. So the people just below us are the people who have no idea about any of this. <laughs> well, Andy Amber, uh, our new commenter, praise be to God. Thank you for commenting for the first time. We're very grateful to you. We always like to recognize first-time commenters. So let us know if you're commenting and you've never commented before. Give a uh, Make sure you, we understand you are a first-time commenter. But she says, when I was teaching, a young student asked me why it is called, quote, hanging up, unquote, a phone. They only had cell phones in their home. I know it, right? You had to hang the phone receiver, right? Most people don't remember that. Like back in my day. I think I've said that before today. Back in my day, when we talked as kids, like teenagers talking to your friends, we had we had the length of the cord to determine how far away or where we could go. We were just we had a really long cord in the to the phone in the kitchen, but uh, that cord determined everything. No private conversations there. And yeah, then, hanging up is not as fun anymore. It's just not. There's not as much pressing awesome. a button versus click. Nah, that's not as fun. But I still yeah. get to do it whenever I answer the phones for uh, for us here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we do get to hang up phones here, don't we? Yep. Um, <laughs> let's see. I thought I saw Joaquin asking about cassettes. Remember the cassette tape with a built-in aux so you could hear your CDs in the car? With Yes. I, in fact, like up until this car that I have now, the, my 2006 Tahoe, uh, because it has an aftermarket stereo in it, all of my other vehicles had cassette players in them. My car right now has a cassette player. Yeah. And I actually, so I have a whole library of cassette tapes from like Scott Hahn. I have entire scripture study series on cassette tape uh, from Scott Hahn and a bunch of others. Ton- hours, hours and hours and hours of, of apologetics, scripture study, and more on cassette tape. I could listen. And I actually have a cassette player at the house. I just have nothing to plug it into. What if, what, is there a way to like preserve all that? Because... The cassettes, because they run on tape, don't they? Yeah. Those degrade over years. They do. And yeah. so they're kind of probably going to be <laughs> like, like gone in like maybe a couple more decades. Yeah, I know. Should probably figure out how we I'll be gone those. in a couple more decades too, so <laughs> it's not my problem. Well, we, <laughs> it's not my job. We're trying, you know to pre- we're trying to preserve the cassettes, not yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Don says, Don Paddock says, you're all making me feel really old. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> sorry, Don. <laughs> I'm right there with you, buddy. I mean, uh, I'm blind at the moment because I don't even know where my reading glasses are. Oh, you're going you. back in time to whenever there were no reading glasses. 
Yeah. My mom. She, <laughs> That's Lo- really long Lori time says, my mom remembers party lines. Remember? I don't know what a party line. Oh, is that whenever you have multiple people <laughs> on yes. the line? Okay. Yeah. It was oh. such a big deal when it came out. You're like, what? We can have whole conversations with groups on phone? That is crazy. Aww. We should we should call it party lines again. Instead they were, of group calls, yeah. party lines sound like way more fun. Group they were advertising call. these things on television in the middle of the night because I was always up watching kung fu movies and they, they always came on at 2 a.m. so all the party line advertisements were on all night long uh, Lori wants to know adrian how do you preserve them you can there are these boxes you can buy that um you put the cassettes in and it converts it to digital and then you but the problem is it takes a really really long time because you have to do them individually each one and you have to let it play out and so as it plays it records and so you have to play the whole thing so if it's a so if you have for instance a vhs tape that's a two hour long video on it it's going to take you two hours to record it and transfer it so it takes a really long time um and you but you can buy those and you have to hook them up to your computer and then save them that way it's a pain in the rear (laughs) well there you go susan weber i remember letter exchanges phone number began ta4 whoa (laughs) what there you go that goes back a day i don't know what that is yeah ta4 ta sounds like that sounds like a terminator yes the ta4 unit uh glenn trahan's chiming in praise be to god glenn thanks for sharing our video by the way when you went on a trip you would call collect I don't know and what that ask is. Ask for yourself uh, uh, to let your parents know you arrived safe. In other words, you called the person and the person agreed to pay for the phone call. Sweet. So the operator would get on and go, like, okay, he's calling. Are you okay with paying for this? All right. And that was the way you uh, you could make phone calls with no change in your pocket. Calling collect nice. on a payphone. That's hilarious. Flashback. We need a we need a back in my day segment on the show. We need a button that says that. All right, that's going to do it for the show. We have officially survived it. Praise be to God. Still a good show, even in spite of all of the technical difficulties, the coffee spilling, and the silliness in the after show. But we're grateful that you are here, a part of it all. You make it a lot of fun. Tomorrow morning, we're going to have a a great guest on the program to talk about, uh, instead of shouting your abortion, how about shout your story? Um, See, our guest, uh, I'm trying to get the name, but we're going to run out of time. God love you. God bless you.